Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, welcome to the Mouth of Manliness. We've just set the time on. We've got an hour to talk about our brains. Yeah, I think I've done it. Yeah, I have. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's me, Nick Noise, as ever, with my compadre, um, bad Brad action. Bad? What, why am I bad? <laughs> I just can't. I think it's still quite cool. All right. Big up your bad selves. <laughs> and uh, from our last podcast, we had uh, Brad Humble from Grim Reaper. Hey, Grum Reaper. Grum Reaper. <laughs> um, and he is with us again. Hello. And I'm pleased he come because he um, bought presents give us these wristbands. Oh, you might yeah. be able to see them on the podcast. But Boston uh, and the yeah. rest of the world, you can see them. If you're watching in Boston, you can get some of Grum's stuff. I highly recommend it because it is and it's t- super it's catch good. Uh, you can get some of Grum's stuff. And look, there's my rings. Oh, yeah, I like they're them. Double R rings. Mm. A Freemason ring right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. not meant to admit that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It uh... doesn't exist. <laughs> I kind of quite like wearing that because people are often like, is that a Freemason's ring? No, they don't. You don't seem like a Freemason. I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're going, really you know, and I'm like, no, I am. I love yeah. it. I'm fucking mad for it. I'm yeah. really bad at it. And then, uh, and then I know the uh, Freemason's handshake. Yeah, I know one of them. Um, so I often go, I'll show you the handshake if you like. Mm. And that's like, yeah, really not allowed. No. And basically, my grandpa, who I wear this ring in uh, almost as a, a little kind of, um, you know, a nod to my grandpa, who was one of the one of the good men in my life. Uh, and uh, yeah, I wear it as a nod to him. And um, my dad, uh, he learned. He went into the Masons because my grandpa went, and then he, he my dad's a bit like he's he's fucking cynical, and he's like, right, that's bollocks, and left. He's not much of a joiner, my dad. I think that's why. I'm not. <laughs> uh, and then he taught me the handshake, and now any opportunity I get, I go, do you want to know the handshake? That's so cool, isn't it? And my grandpa knew it, 
You've yeah. poking your knuckle before, haven't you? Yeah, you're trying to reach for a sink that's not That's there. what. That's Throwing one of the knuckle. things they do. They like how, work out how your How do most men lose their knuckle as well? I've lost Punching one. Punching walls. Hey, I've got one. not how I do mine, but Mine's gone as well. I thought it was a plaster wall. Yeah. Yeah. No, mine was a door. And one thing I noticed with in a lot of like domestic violence cases, men like for for like for ages they'll punch walls and they'll go, look, this is what I can fucking do. Like, don't fuck with me because look, I can fucking hurt this wall and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then, but it is it's like that kind of like that uh, arrow across the bows to say like, yeah, watch it because like this is what I'll fucking do. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, people just hurt their hands. Yeah, they really you know, mine, do. Mine happened in like um, when I was probably about twenty. I think it was. I was just in like a fit of uh, rage at myself. I punched a wall, thinking it's plaster. No, 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 no. But you only need to punch a wall once to know that you don't want to punch a wall, really, don't you? Yeah, I learned that the hard way. Mine was over money, and I'm never going to punch a wall again. <laughs> it's really stupid because it really hurts, and it fucks your knuckles up, but then your hands are fucked up potentially forever. I, Mine's gone back. Mine went back. No, mine is like an arch. About 15 years. It goes up inside, up inside you, and then down. <laughs> The other side, it's like proper fucked. I and I worry I'd, about it breaking. I thought I dislocated my finger. So I was like trying to put it in back uh, into place like 20 minutes afterwards. Like, this is excruciating yeah. pain. Yeah, it was broken. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we yeah. learn the hard way, I guess. I did it. I did mine when I was, I've talked about it before, but I hit someone stupidly. I didn't hurt them. I then immediately apologized. Then looked at my oh, hands. Nice. My hands like massive. They're fine. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm going to have to come on. Yeah. And, um, and then. I was doing my GCSEs at the time, and then my mate's mum, who's a nurse, said, oh, you've broken your knuckle. And I went to hospital, and then uh, I put plaster on me. Couldn't really do my exams very well, but I couldn't do very well anyway. Ah, oh, <laughs> And then, uh, right, yeah, yeah, I couldn't knock one out. Oh. <laughs> but surely oh. using your and other hand, age. using your other hand feels like someone else is doing it, right? No. As I, I tell people that like at work. Doing it with your other hand feels like someone else is doing it. But it doesn't feel like they're doing it right. That's true. Because <laughs> you know how to do it with your best hand. Yeah. Oh, with man. your other hand, like you're never going to do it very well, are you? So you might come across something that is like new. I yeah. had a circumcision when I was 21, and that that six weeks out. So <laughs> the end of them six weeks, I turned into a fucking have animal. You Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I split my banjo once. Oh, oh no! Dear. That is much worse. That is much worse than splitting anything. Splitting banjo is pretty fucking horrendous. I remember splitting it and just blood gushing out of my cock. Uh, and then looking at it, pulling it up, looking at it and seeing that there's basically a pipe that goes under your cock, your banjo. And the banjo is splitting. I could see in it and blood just coming out of it. Oh. And then well, like he was, like was coming blood. It's kind of underneath it. It's okay, not okay. coming out of your main bit. But fucking hell, that is fucking hell. I, I couldn't to... even look at my cock for like three months. I couldn't even look at it. Get like went from pieces like you bastards. I did once. I, went, I did once before. But I think I was like twenty three when it happened. But uh, <laughs> I, I was in the moment of climax and really got caught Sexy at the a wrong bit. angle, and it sort of blocked the pipe. And as it blocked it, I was like, so it just like 28 mile per hour of jizz just hitting it, not coming out, clearly ruptured something. And then just this marbling of blood and jizz. That's the most horrifying thing in a fridge. Come out. 
I didn't freak out. I was like, that is the most metal fucking thing I've ever done. I was like, metal! I can't blood! I think I stood up and I was like, I can't blood! It's fucking ridiculous. It's when your mum's like, get the noise down up there. Fuck off, mum. I'm so metal. I was born out of your ass. Do you know how metal I am? Come blood. I was born out of your ass. That's what me and my mate used to say. I was born out of my mum's ass. Do you reckon um, women have these conversations? <laughs> yes. Straight I up. I think they probably do. They're very similar. So, I you know, it's stupid to think that they don't. We presume women don't watch porn as well. It's like, yeah, you watch porn. Yeah, there's a massive sort of thing. Horrifying. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just crazy to think, though. They're waiting for everyone to go out the house before they do I don't think they're doing. as interested in porn as men, but I think there is elements of it. And, and also, I think, you know, some... People are more into porn than others. Like, oh, men, definitely. You assume that all men love porn. Yeah. And, like, I'm very particular with my flavour of porn. Yeah. I only like one type of porn, and that's it. Because I know that, that that it can't be exploited. It's just like that's a, a really good thing. There's like um, I watched a couple of programs recently, and it there's some <laughs> shocking stuff happens in it. <laughs> and I I think like. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about it all. Like, what? What are you worried about porn? Yeah, the porn industry. I think it. Like, I've, yeah, probably watched too many documentaries about it all. But there's some shocking stuff goes on, obviously. But you kind of like don't really think about it too much. But I've been switched on to thinking about it, and now I'm a bit like, oh, fucking. What hell. is it being exploited? Yeah, like it is exploited. Oh no, it's totally, totally it is. And there's again the argument of like people want to do it because they want to do it and some people want to do it because they're earning money and everything else but like, it's one thing I see and like obviously they filmed it all and then the guy was like oh we're going to just keep going um, so the guy kept going and then the director was like oh, alright I'm going to have a go now and then the cameraman was like right I'm going to have a go now and then this other random guy was like right I'm going to have a go now and I'm like what the fuck yeah. like, and that must just all like you think about men, it yeah it's just been like well look you know, I ain't going well. I think like, I'd better have a go. Yeah. And then no one's going, well, he's had a go. Yeah. And so, well, you know, like this I person, don't want to miss out. Yeah, this almost. ain't a person anymore. No. This oh. is just like, uh, you know, just the whole. Yeah. And everyone else has had a go, so we'll have a go. And it, like the whole morality and the human being element of it just completely disappears. Yeah. I'm, worryingly, they're probably going, oh, like, we'll give you more money for this. More yeah, yeah, no, we're that. doing you a favour, aren't we? Yeah. Well, like, so, you, know, like, you don't mind, do you? No, no, of course you don't mind. No, I'm having a great time. You're some skag. They talk about the objectification of women in porn, right? Most porn doesn't really feature the dude. It's just his penis, right? Yeah. Whereas it's the whole of the woman. That's yeah. what we're concentrating on. So it's like, is there... Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's not I real, is you it? You also think about how much porn, like, uh, like the the blowjob, like normally, like I'm always whizzing past the blowjob because it goes on for ages, and that's and like, that's true. Even the fact it, there's natural and, like, order and the cum shot, like that's where you know like, those are big bits in the bit of porn, mm. and it is. It's like, and that is the objectification of women. Like, mm. A woman makes that man feel better by sticking it in her mouth. Yeah, and then and consequently then goes, makes us feel better to watch it. But even yeah. so, it is, it is. And like they're all that. the same order. They start with one thing and they meet, and then like blowjob, doing this bit, and then that standing that way, stand that way, turn over. Is there bum sex in it? Yes, there is. Right, they're obviously going to go to that. Turns over, that ends. Blah blah blah. Finishes like that. Script of it is the same all the way through. We've which got is right in on this fucking. I know podcast. this is not right, is it? <laughs> but like it's. 
it, again, it's conditioning without people noticing. And it's yeah, difficult it's, for yeah, people to talk about true. because all of a sudden I, I was just like, fucking hell, I'd never given that a second thought. It was the most normal thing for me to look at because in my mind, everyone else was fucking looking at it. And it's like, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'd like to think of myself as someone who doesn't do things just because everyone else does it. But I had been. You can't help yourself, though. And you can't, <clears throat> and in many ways, like, um, yes, porn is wrong. The education of women is wrong. Mm. Um, like, Unless they want to do it, though. That's the, well, yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, so there is it's a very sex workers, you know, they, they might do it because they want to do it. And that's, that's right as well. And I'm glad to say that. But, but there should be rules and regulations for them. Like protection for them if they want to do that. Again, yeah. and like it is, it's the well, well, we can't have that going on everywhere because you know the bulk of society are going to be uncomfortable with it. Yeah, because they don't actually like but talking that's what about sex. It into the no, yeah, and we can't as actually it's... talk about sex. <laughs> we all have it. We all have urges, but we can't actually fucking talk yeah, about it's crazy, it. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Like in a real way, because. Uh, then society will go to seed. Like, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable <laughs> you know I mean? with the first 10 minutes of this episode already. Like the days of Sodom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Yeah, it's you like, can't talk about it. No. And that's the other thing. That's like why people don't talk about mental health. It's like, oh, if you talk about it, you might become mental. Yeah. It's <laughs> someone crazy. Someone was saying to me the other day, that, um, like if, if you stop someone, like if blokes aren't allowed to whistle at girls, and like go, woo, girls, this was a young guy I was talking to. Uh, then um, they'll turn gay, and I was like, Are "What? You fucking kidding me? What a real human said that?" Yeah, I think he was trying to wind me up, and I was like, "I've been." If you honestly <laughs> believe the thing is that fucking straightforward, I, like, I, watched I watched the video. I watched the video. I will try and find it, and I'll share it online. But this woman basically stands in front of the camera. She went, "I've got a vest top on, leather jacket, and some jeans." And the guy walks ahead of her, ten foot or fifteen foot, and films her. I don't know how many times, but. You will hate all men just from watching this video. Just bloke going, oh, hello, love what you're doing, whistling and stuff like that, which is normal. But one guy followed her for like, I don't know the size of American blocks, but like 12 blocks or something like that, Next, standing next to her. And she she was really funny, like really cutting. Like I can't remember some of the witty answers. Yeah, I'm not as funny as her, but she was like... Because she knew why she was doing it. Yeah, if cool. If that had been real, she'd probably been a fright. But what was scary was just in this one journey, it was... I don't, maybe they filmed it across a day or two days or whatever, but just in that 30-second or one-minute clip, the amount of blokes who were literally just reduced... She weren't even like massively like dressed seductively or anything like that. She was just... I don't know. I, I couldn't really see it that clear. It clearly, she was just dressed as like a normal normal lady and then just it's just sickening they're just like fucking animals and like the lengths they would go to to like talk to her or be near her or whatever which again i'm not putting it down because we all have to meet people and that one, one bloke might have thought that was that's the girl for me she's the most beautiful thing in the world but when you see it in that context in that little sort of bite of a 30 second minute whatever it's scary as fuck like and obviously not all women but to be a woman and have to walk back home of a night time of an evening. Yeah, totally. Like, and then go work. to work and then at, get the same yeah, thing. At work, it's like there's, yeah. a, there's always a bloke sniffing around you. Yeah. There's always someone who's just being a bit over the top. Like leering. Yeah. yeah, a bit mm. leery. Yeah, and overbearing. Like, and it's almost like, like, yeah, they can't help themselves. They're a man. So it's, and it's, it's like up to bollocks, us to punch them in the eye. Yeah. yeah. It's like, fuck off, mate. But I think it's like what <laughs> we said. They don't feel empowered to do it. No. And that's the problem. So you get a lot of men. I listen to Radio 4 and or talk radio because sometimes music makes my 
Tinnitus playing. So I listened to talk radio and there was something about uh, that they were in a phone in about equality. And there's so many blokes going, well, we have equality, don't we? Women can do the same as us. And it's like... So ask a woman that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Can they do the same as you? Can they like just go down, you know, go to a pub and not have someone serve them first? All right, that's nice. But then if someone then expects something back all the time. You know, like it, it, we can't possibly, as men, put ourselves in that position and understand. No. So we have to go from a position of like, like empathy and caring. I know you could dress skimply and go to a gay bar. I've been to loads of gay bars. Yeah, me too. Did you get too. groped? No. I no. was groped at a gay bar. Oh, I wasn't. But the weird thing, I wasn't bothered by it. But it it's because I'm not subjected no. to it every fucking day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's the difference. Yeah. I've been to quite a lot of gay bars and that. My mate Wayne used to do um, DJ um, GAY and Pop Stars, which was another really big one. And we used to go there just basically because it was a fucking really good night out. Yeah. And, uh, because it's not filled with your bloke, you bloke, fuck exactly. you. Exactly. No, it's not full of testosterone. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, where'd you go to the toilet? I'm like, I just go to the toilet. And like, <laughs> if someone like propositions me, like I, I find that a massive compliment. I'm yeah. like, oh, cheers, man. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I'm not going to have hold of you because uh, you know, I'm not gay, but uh, I'm not upset by it. No. Because that's a massive compliment. Yeah, totally. Like, that's cool with me. But most people, well, a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm going to fucking hit him or not. Going there, they'll bum me. And it's like, no one's going to bum you. No, <laughs> no, no one's going to no. bum you. I remember they're being... not you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're not you, and I'm not a woman. Yeah, you know, like you're judging with you, judging it by your own standards. Mm. Like, not everyone's a fucking cunt. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just that kind of fault that I think so many people think. I was, I was curious when I was younger, and I experimented, and I was just like, not into, and still to this day, every now and then, I'm like, that dude's all right, mm. like. Yeah, mm. me too. Like, and I think, like, like Ryan Reynolds in Blade Trinity. <sighs> yeah, totally. And <sighs> like the amount of time I I do say stuff like that at work, and like some people like close mates, like yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. But like some of the looks I get, but, but then it's just appreciating beauty in nature that's been yeah, created. I always feel that's an inability to deal with their own emotions or yeah. sexual desires. Yeah, totally. But sometimes when I spot that, it does make me want to like. Do it a little bit more. I do it. I do it. Who's going to say it makes me want to bum them? Just yeah, to prove, what, just to prove hello! something. I, know, I, I can go. I very mincy. There's a really manly man, and I'm like, give us a hug. Come on, go on. Yeah, come I love on. it. Like, do you want to go in the box? Yeah. And I'm like, like oh, no, I don't like it. Yeah. Like, it's all right. Like my uh, like, my father-in-law is obviously like quite old school in that, and like, I'm aware that he doesn't like being cuddled. So like the second any what? opportunity of like. Us going, I'm literally grabbing it. He goes wooden like that, stiff. I go, See you later, mate. I give him a massive <laughs> kiss and a cuddle. I love it because so I'm good. always a hugger. Like you go for the handshake, I grab that shit. Yeah, I'll yeah, bring it for totally. a bro hug. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a hugger. It, um, Doug Sanhope has this joke where he's talking about he's he pretends to be gay just in normal situations. So if there's like a kid behind him who's like, say he's in a queue for a plane or something like that, he'll just say, oh yeah, I'm gay. So the kid behind him can just understand that it's okay to be that, and you don't that's have to amazing. be a, a certain stereotype. Or oh my god, that's like a superpower! It, and you could like really start to educate people. I often find myself going, "No, look, it's all right. It's not getting up, you know. They're not getting up. It's all right. It's like that's yeah. so cool. It's fine. I stand hopes. Definitely genius. I've yeah, never really gone to Dark Sun. I have tried. 
Uh, he don't really come across like that kind of joke, you know, does he? Like, he kind of, it's just a bit brash American for me. Yeah, no, I need to. I haven't. I haven't ventured in. Uh, so, like, uh, so I'll have a look. He's one of my favorite comedians. Yeah, probably my favorite comedian. Yeah. Really? The, um, the, the gay, go. the gay fantasy football joke. It's a ten-minute joke, and it. No matter how many times I watch it, I cry from laughter. It's mm. so fucking funny. I love funny. it when something gets you like that, though. It's so yeah. good. He's, he's oh, also got another. He's, he's got another joke in the same set, where he's talking about helping his mum commit suicide because she had like emphysema, like fluid on the lungs. And again, just funny as fuck. It's like, how did you make it funny? But you can tell he's just telling an actual story. Yeah. But it's just like, this is fucking funny. I've got no, admiration no, for people who can do the that. The truth is, though, in a lot of... I find, like, I talk about things that about myself that I don't like or I'm uncomfortable with. I find it much easier just to fucking blah, say it. Make a joke out of it. You know, like, I talk about my arse all the time. Or I talk about <laughs> yeah, splitting yeah. my banjo. You know, like, it's easier just to go, blah. Yeah. And then then it's done. Because you realise people don't really judge you for yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, as I said in the last episode, nine times out of ten, people do not fucking care. No. They care about themselves. <laughs> mm. They don't care about you. Or they care about their immediate family. Everything else is a fucking nothing. And what and I'm learning now... you go into life with that idea... Uh, like for starters, in life you can't control anything but what you think and what you do. That's a stoic thing. Yeah, no, yeah. stoic is straight up. And I and I think that is that is an incredibly empowering thing. Um, and then secondly, most of the time, anyone that you're bothered about doesn't give a fuck about you. Mm. And if you go into life knowing that, life's a lot easier. Yeah, it's so much easier. So it's like they don't easier. fucking care. Like you think oh, these people are really bothered or they're trying to get at you or or anything like that. And the reality of it is they couldn't fucking give a fuck because everyone everyone is fighting their own battle in some way, shape or form. That once you kind of, that gets into your head, you're like, oh, I'll just rather, I'll just need to worry about what I think about now and then. Yeah. It does simplify things down nicely. That's what I do in Brown Book really taught me. Yeah, man. Is that, and, and, and it doesn't work for me uh, all the time. Like I have days like this past... <clears throat> Things, it's hard to make things work 100% of the time. Yeah, exactly. Nothing does. But what happens, I find, um, I um, stop doing the work and then I get ill again. And yeah. then I'm like, suicide, suicide, suicide. And then I'm like, then I go, oh, fuck, I keep thinking about suicide again. Oh, shit. Right, I got, like, oh, why is that? Ah, I've stopped doing everything that I'm meant to do. You know, like you were saying, like, you yeah, yeah. go, oh, fuck, I stopped doing it. I, I, oh, I forgot. So I, I think no it'll take away in three days in a row. No wonder I feel like shite. It's like, like daily habits of like just yeah. keeping... But is that because other stuff takes over? It takes. It's because habits are hard to form. It takes 60 days to form a habit. Wow. I really? only repeat every single day. No, but I even find I will form a habit, uh, but those habits are still relatively short-formed habits compared to... 40 years worth of habit. Programming. 40 sort of years worth of programming. So, like, I've been ill since I was a kid. So, uh, all of that is, I've got all of that weight to contend with. So, a new habit, I might have formed and done that in six weeks. Like, I, I fucking do six weeks like that. But then, I'm like, 10 weeks in, the old habit comes back. Is it an old habit coming back or is it self sabotage? It's self sabotage. Yeah. I was sort of, but that is the habit. Because it can be a bit fun. 
I hate to say that. It's so true, though. It is. You're completely right. Because when you go into those dark modes of thinking, you're staring at things. It's seductive. It is. It's a kind of romanticism, apparently, right? Yep. Yeah. It's incredibly romantic. I'm glad you say that because I completely agree. And then you go, oh, this is all right. Oh, this is comfortable. And you start writing like really depressing songs or Yeah, you start doing some bits on the guitar and you get into doing that kind of thing. And then you read books that confirm it all. <laughs> and then uh, and then you spend a bit of time confirming it all to yourself. And then you're like, oh, all I can think about now is killing people and killing myself. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, I'm, I've gone back. I'm back to where I was now. I, I did that. I, I tell you what, I've done that last four weeks. And it was just today. My I've been off of work because I felt ill, but also because I don't think I've been very mentally well. But my I said, my wife came home and she, I was like, what do you want to watch? She went, oh, I don't put the telly on for a bit. I, like, I just want to, normally when I get home, because I'm not normally here, like, normally I just like sit and quiet for a bit. And like just try and, download and I'm like what, how the fuck do you do that like, I've never done that in my life <laughs> and then I just found myself always saying, trying to distract yourself sort of thing yeah just yeah rather than distracting yourself just sit in it for a bit and like she finds that quite peaceful and I struggle to do that but then I found myself we were sitting in it for a bit and then I found myself uh just going I'm not very well at the moment and she was like yeah I know stuff that makes me better <laughs> and it really was it's like i need to make some changes again and I, I was like oh, i'm actually kind of a bit bored with like in the evenings i'm bored and I, I need to start doing things a bit more she's like yeah yeah let's do this and let's do that and i started talking about it and i was like oh fuck i've been doing that for four weeks <laughs> four weeks i've been thinking right i'm gonna fucking do it i'm gonna fucking do it i like i, I there's a, a beam in the garage i'll hang myself and I'm like, I can't. Oh, do it I thought you were on about another task. As no, no, no. To, uh, no, 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 no. But you know what? My brain just went. Nyr. And the thing is, like that is so alluring. Plus, it is what my body and brain sees as comfortable. And you can't, you can't commit suicide now, though, because you've already beaten it. You've already beaten no, that particular no. demon that faces you. So every time it comes up, I haven't. Though, you like, still like, turn around and be like, nah. No, no, no. And the thing is, when I'm feeling. Even if I'm feeling a bit shit, I do that. But it's when uh, it all starts, it, it will take the smallest of things, like something at work or something, it will trigger me. And and all that trigger, all the trigger is, is, uh, is like an offence on my confidence and my self worth. So you feel like it's a slant against you. Yeah, almost. But it'll be very small, and then my brain will go, "Ah, you fucking cunt! I told you." <laughs> told you that I've been telling you for years you should be dead why aren't you dead you should be fucking dead and I'm like but what about my kids and but like, even even that differentiation and you explaining that you're saying that that's a separate part of you yeah so yeah. you'll never take that on board even when it starts getting to that point you've already separated it from yourself uh, no 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 this is where it gets <laughs> difficult it, I've only just separated from myself okay, okay. so it might take me a few weeks to actually talk about it. So this is why this is good, because now I talk about it, and now I feel like I'm on top of it. It, it will take me a little while, because it seeps in very gradually, and then it'll be like three, four weeks down the line, and then I'm like, that's all I can hear. 
So then it's like, but then when I actually then verbalise it, like I did to my <clears> wife today, I'm like, ah. Oh. And suddenly it's like. Weight off your shoulders. Suddenly, yeah. like straight off. And I'm like, oh, I've got this. An olive branch to the light aside, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, no, I've got this. This is fine. Oh, yeah, I, this fucking my life. I can deal with it now. I probably have like suicidal ideation probably a couple of times every three months or so, but it'll be like a culmination of a few days and then I'll just sit down and have a meditation. Like the, the last time it really fucked me up was uh, October last year. I just got out of like an eight year relationship. But the reason the relationship ended was because I was told to man up. And it was just like, no, 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 That was the culmination of yeah. shit that was going down. But she's but, just got frustrated, clearly, because it's fucking frustrating being with someone like us. Uh, yeah. I'm always like, I'm always, I'm always apologising to my wife. Mm. I'm so sorry you have to go through me. It's just like, well, I don't want anyone else. I can't talk for that. <laughs> you know, I was, I was told, like, you don't deserve me. You're not good enough. You need to man up. You're a piece that, of shit. So but, it's just like... But that know. probably wasn't about you. That no. was about her. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that and now. her insecurities. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, you, but you don't see I've it. Stu- I've studied quite a bit about it since. Yeah, you, um, have, to, you have to know. Yeah. You, do. <laughs> you have it to is, do the work. It was, um, after that, it was like five days of just constant. My brother's like, you should just fucking kill yourself. You fucking Go and drive your car off a fucking bridge. Yeah. My car wasn't even fucking working. Just drive it in front of a fucking lorry. But on the, f- on the fifth day um, was the first time I ever meditated. And my friends, my, I've got a friend who just constantly is... Like, oh, I should meditate, I should meditate. And I didn't want to do it because I wasn't very spiritual. Yeah. Then I looked at a scientific report on it and it was like, no, it works. And as soon as I saw that there was science behind it, I was like, ah, oh, sweet. So I should actually try it. Try. It. I sat down in Brighton Park for about an hour. I just listened to a guided meditation video on YouTube. And I came out of that like a changed person. I, I was floating around on cloud nine. I was just like, wow. You do have to keep doing it though. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kept doing it every day for... Three months again, it's changing them daily habits, and it? yeah. it's just yeah. replacing like 20 a, minutes I, I that you did, might. I did a course on in uh, transcendental meditation, and it's I agree with what they say it's the quickest way to get into a meditative state. It costs you 500 quid that, and I like, let you're sworn to secrecy and things. And I and did I you have to sign an NDA. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was like, can he no, tell us do, here? Can he tell us? No. But can we just start guessing? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what it's about. Basically, they give you a mantra. You have a ceremony. It's quite... And what's cool is the ceremony feels special. So you have this ceremony. They whisper in your ear your mantra. And then you sit down and do it. And then you say it over and over. And essentially, after what... Like, quite quickly, you get into quite a good meditative state. On the day you do, because you've just been through the ceremony, you go away and you're like all up for it, so you kind of do. And then after a while, if you're anything like me, you're like, fucking hell, I've got to do this 15 minutes. I can't sit still for five. But I can't close my brain off my brain. And the problem is, for me, if I try and sit quietly, my brain goes, oh, you fucking cunt. How dare you? I'm going to attack you for 15 minutes now just to show you. Whereas I, I got to a point and I did it like twice a day, 20 minutes twice a day is what you're meant to do. 20 minutes twice a day for about three months. And in the end, I was so distressed. Every 20 minutes I found so stressful. I was like, this can't be worth me. Wow. This just ain't working for me. And that's where, um, that's why I like hypnotherapy because hypnotherapy gets you into that state 
and you don't actually have to do anything and someone else takes you there uh, and it, I found it much easier to get close to there but the, what I do remember which was pretty special about transcendental meditation was in the early parts of it uh, it was like taking acid like I could hear everything uh, I felt as though I was on a ship like it just felt as though I was just bobbing at sea the and that was very very odd and I the studies into psychedelics have shown that taking psychedelics is akin to meditation like it normally you'd walk down it. normally you'd walk down a certain pathway but when you meditate it leads you down a different path and that just opens up your mind to just being rewired yeah it just over a longer t period of time that reprograms the brain yeah i found ram das um yeah. a while back and he basically yeah found it through psychedelics initially but then set out for his whole life to find people and find ways of achieving those heights without the psychedelics he literally obviously went to like india and you can basically achieve it by standing on one leg and holding your hand in the air for like 20 days in a row or something like that it's the way the body days i, I don't know numbers I what did, like early on when i saw uh, my therapist peter who we've been on previously um the first time I, he did hypnotherapy with me he got me to like hold my hands up uh until they started to fucking ache. And then, and then he went, right, sit down. Wow, that's probably part of it. Room. And just because my body had been stressed, I then went into a position where my body wasn't stressed. My, I just melted into the chair. Wow. And that's the most profound experience I've ever had. And I, I'm going to be trying that when I go home. <laughs> and it totally, totally worked. Uh, and he'd done avatars and he's like, right, I want you to imagine you're pushing against something. And, I, and I'm pushing against his hands, and he's pushing back as hard as he can. And then uh, that action of pushing, that outlier energy, and then I sit down, it's like your body just goes, ah. Oh. And like just it's that, powerful, you can see how that would work. Because yeah, on a simple basis, on a scientific level, like blood so, flow yeah, and pressure and yeah, releasing stress and everything. Like, I think... This is the first time I've heard of anything about hypnotherapy. Oh, it's quite interesting. If, if, ever, yeah. if you ever get to a point when you're really, really fucking struggling again, Go and see our mate Peter. He's a fucking yeah. We had him on last a uh, couple of episodes, and it's yeah, it's magic. It, and it, basically, you know, like in Darren Brown's book, like that that book, you can it doesn't all hit you. you no, know, there's bits and bobs that hit you. He uh, says that though, isn't it? Like you, pick yeah, and yeah. You'll, the you'll, there'll be bits that will resonate. And then Peter just uh, he like when I've had hit therapy with him like with a, an hour. Did chair. you just blow? No, it's a chair. It's his chair. <laughs> you always think it's me. It's not his chair. But basically, all he does is throw like things at you that resonate with you all the time, and it really fucking works. But it's with everything; it's like little nuggets that you can kind of take away. Like I can't remember that whole Ram Das book. But I can remember little bits and bobs yeah. of it. I've started reading the, the reading the Darren Brown book. I started reading it on holiday, and I can remember little bits. And you kind of take away little tools. It's like the bits that hit you the hardest, doesn't it? Yeah, but then it's nice when you go back and read that book again. You're like, oh, I remember that bit, but now I remember all these other bits. I wreck my books with highlighters. There's yeah, only one book I've not done. It's because it's from 1926, and that was the that was the first book, The Mind in the Making, by James Harvin. 1926. Wow. So this this book, I was in this little antique bookshop in Hastings, and I was just looking through the shelves. Nothing was striking my eyes, and then I just saw it, The Mind in the Making. I was like, eh, that might teach me how the mind came, how I came to think like this. I opened it up, and it had that stoic proverb 
man is more tolerated by his opinion of things than things themselves. And I was like, well, I'm buying this. That's yeah. totally true. Amazing. But I know that sums it up. Uh, because as soon as I read that, I was like, every belief system I have that causes me negative reactions, it's just because I believe it to be true. It's my opinion. Yeah. And I can change my yeah. opinion because yeah. I've changed my opinion about so many different things. So I, I just tucked into this book and honestly, it's profound. Like it's talking about problems with Russia. It's talking about um, how the telephone ordering system was going to destroy the high street. Oh my God. And it's talking about the youth. And it's just like, this could have been written yesterday. Yeah. And it would still be prevalent. That's like, crazy. The fact that societal things hadn't changed in a hundred years. Mm. I was like, well, society is just the way it is. So yeah. I just had to come to accept it. Yeah. And that is quite a, that is quite a profound thing in itself. But I think like the oak, can you knock the door back? I'm really hot. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, like the first statement you said there is the statement that resonates with me and that I tell myself every day. Yeah, because Darren Brown has it in his book. Yeah. Basically, the Darren Brown book is a modernisation with That's our psychological true. understanding of the book. The That's the so cool. And it is. It's like, like that. Uh, all your problems come from the way you, it come from the way you think about them. Mm. Like, do they still exist if you're just in a inside a, a little empty box or whatever? They still exist because they're within you. But yeah. then outside, everyone's just walking past yeah. the box, so the just art, getting yeah. on a, getting on with the day. Uh, the locus of control. You know yeah. about that? Nah. So you've yeah, got ex the external that. locus of control, which is basically believing how the world projects itself onto you. Yeah, or you can hold what you true hold what you believe to be true about yourself, and then project that out onto the world. Amazing. I, summed it, I summarized this in. I said this yeah. the other day. Um, you can be someone the world happens to, or you can be someone that happens to the world. World, yeah. And I was like, that's a pretty good way. Of just, I used to it. do that with um, when I, when I used to work at probation. I used to do locus of control, uh, like with them, because they'd always be saying, "Well." I did it because that cunt did that. Like, so everyone would do that, wouldn't they? You'd do that, wouldn't you? And I'm like, well, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, well, well, of course you would, because they called you a cunt, so you caved his fucking head in. And I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. So what you're actually saying is that everyone else is in charge of you. And they go, no. The way I came, the way I come to understand it in that particular paradigm is if somebody, if somebody is trying to go out of their way to hurt you or offend you or cause you insult, they're an asshole. Yeah. So why mm. the fuck would you pay any attention yeah, to your opinion? Exactly, yeah. It's like exactly what I used such to a say. beautiful, <laughs> simple and notion. I go, what, you're going to spend your life going around just like sorting out arseholes because there'll be a fucking massive queue that'll last your whole life. Yeah. And then um, the Ricky Gervais thing where he says uh, the best way to get back but at an arsehole is to be happy. Yeah. Don't <laughs> like, have that. I'll just be happy. Yeah. And it's so true. Is that from the recent series? He did. I don't know. That's what oh, no, it's no, called. No, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he, he has loads of good little nuggets. Yeah, oh, he does, he's got loads yeah. of tools. I, mean, I always get the vibe that he's been through some shit as well. Like, there's a lot of these people with wisdom. Yeah, I don't know. He used to uh, manage serious problems. That's right, yeah. And, mm. uh, and I've, you know, I've spent some time with him. And he was just the same. He, he, uh, he, he, he was just looking for people to make him laugh, really. Mm. And uh, we were too busy trying to make him laugh. Yeah, he's got an amazing <laughs> laugh as well. Yeah, right? he when he goes, he's an amazing laugh. He weren't famous then. No. Nah. It's infectious though, isn't it? When somebody proper starts laughing out loud. Yeah. Then everyone just starts proper laughing their yeah. goddamn heads off. But you a... know, like the stuff he does about religion, I think really what he's talking is not really talking about religion. 
it's talking about how stupid we can all be. Yeah, and our take on things and everything yeah, else. And I think how how we're like uh, we're we get stuck in things and we're like, well, that's that's fact then. And it's like, no, it's not. Like very little is really. It, it bugs you know, me when, when thoughts and feelings come into it. There is no such thing as facts. No, nah, when people like take him so literal and uh, mm. to like. They think like he's preaching and he's saying this and saying that. And you think, now if you just take a step back and look at the reason why he's saying it and how he's saying it, what he said before and what he said afterwards, and then listen and learn from him, guy's a genius. Satire has been lost on a lot of people. Oh, yeah, totally. It really has. So literally. Yeah, that's what you've got to follow him on Twitter and just sit back and watch. It's so good. When I was younger, like kind of in the mid 80s, I used to like I used to like be allowed to stay up later on Fridays and I'd watch comedy on Fridays and I really loved like anything that was young ones kind of related on that yeah, school. I really loved I used to watch like, uh, Black Adder and that. But a lot of that was kind of on when I was a bit younger. By the time I was older, it was like have, um, have I got news for you, which I hated, which I quite like now. Yeah. Uh, and whose line is it anyway? And that was yeah. all. They were saying like this is satire and it just bored me. I thought, well, this is politics. And it's only as you get older you start thinking, no, it's not really. They're taking the piss out of politics. Like, yeah. yeah, actually, they're taking the piss out of humans being idiots. Yeah. And there's a level of intelligence to be able to take something that seems to be so black and white and taking the piss out of something, to be able to come out of it, look at it, see it for what it is, yeah. and then be clever enough to go, well, this is funny because that's fucked. And then this, this and have that level of thinking, it's just genius. I love watching people do that. Like do you watch so um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Do you know yeah, what? I, I haven't yet. Oh, I'm waiting to watch it on, that's on Netflix. That is so Yeah, I cannot wait to watch it. I really want to watch it. I've watched all of them twice. Like the, the opening episode, they deal with racism and homophobia oh, yeah, in do. the same episode. It's stuck the in the first episode. It's just like, well... This is going to be good. Wow. Yeah, and they they really take good. it to ridiculous extremes. Yeah. Everything is to a ridiculous extreme. I can't recommend it enough. It's only in Philadelphia. It's fucking brilliant. I don't know how many times I've watched it. That's yeah. my next binge. And I they think. just go, re- it gets really stupid. Like when Danny DeVito comes in, it, it gets markedly better. I've got a uh, cardboard cut out of Danny DeVito in my room. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. It's so cool. brilliant here, Frank. And it gets, uh, and it basically it gets really ridiculous. But they're always like they they deal, but they're dealing with something really serious. But they're taking the piss out of out of us. Yeah. At the same time. Because you're not supposed to like them. No. If you identify with them, it's but kind you of end like, up really oh, liking yeah. them because they they're basically they're a bit of them is a bit of you. There yeah. is an episode when Dennis comes in, he's like, "Oh, I got myself a diagnosis of borderline personality." So I was like, "Hey, <laughs> represent, brother." And I was like, "Actually, hold on." Dennis is a lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. I'm not that bad. Jesus. But like, Dennis is like the pissed out character. He's the one who's meant to have it all together, but actually he's, he's so like narcissistic. He's been getting worse and worse as time's yeah. gone on. It's fucking brilliant. It's really, really good. I never really watched it in that way, but I, I think like most of the best things you watch are character driven. Yeah. And like with yeah. that, and like the characters are really fucking solid and they're all lunatics. I've got a message from Lee, Lee Yates saying, uh, I love you, Lee Yates. Thank you for the podcast. I really like it. Just now, I'll read it out to you. All right, mate. Loving the mouth of manliness. I listened to it on the train to the studio. You're smashing it, man. Great work. Thank you, Lee. Oh, that's amazing, Thank Lee. You. Thank you. I've always had a soft spot. I've got a special thanks to Lee as well because years ago when I was going through my depression and shit, he had my back. Like, people were really like trying to rip me to shreds just because. It, People just treated you like shit if you was depressed, and he—that's why I never talked about it. And he was a fucking legend, honestly. He, 
I can't fucking thank him enough. To be honest I think Lee's had a few of his own demons, and I think he'd probably agree with that. Um, and that is why he's much more uh, open to that kind of thing. He's a fucking dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when I first started uh, Honey Lust with um, Jim Quinn and Dean Garwood, fucking when I was like 21, 20, and uh, yeah, Lee was like best mates with Dean because they lived in East Tilbury. Everyone in East Tilbury knows each other. And I still know East Tilbury, really. Yeah. yeah, they're all still there, pretty much. Yeah. It's amazing doing this podcast, the sort of people that we've known for a little while, but are just sort of stepping forward a bit. And like, even my mate who I'm meeting tomorrow is like, oh, I've had a couple of weeks off for anxiety and stuff like that. And people are just opening up about it. I've got that message from Dan Brooks I sent you today. He was just literally just re- reaching out saying he liked it and I've forgotten to write the name down but we mentioned the other day about listeners around the world and the listener in Australia and you thought it was your mates on holiday Someone... no no I've, I've got uh, one of my oldest and best friends lives in lives in Australia and uh, I, I, that's who I was talking about. yeah well we thought that was our main Australia listenership well a third person messaged and went actually no hello over here um, I've listened I found you organically and I love this podcast like thank you very much for everything you're doing awesome. um, from Australia good day mate it's been it's been a weird ride really because I found because we were talking openly about stuff people are then talking to me about it mm. and like so most of the time like I'm I'm really up for the discussion. But then if I'm at a low ebb, I'm like, it can make me worse. Yep. Mm. Yep. That's been that's been a problem. Like, uh yeah, there's been points I'm like, I can't cope with you as well as me. Or I've seen like someone and they've listened to it and like I saw my mate Chris in Broadstairs recently and he, he was like, oh, I need need to ask you lots of questions about it because he, he felt funny about it. He's like, I didn't realise. So he wanted to ask me lots of questions. And in the end, I was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> That's okay. You're allowed to do like, Yeah, I can't keep talking about yeah. what's going on for me. You've got to look after yourself yeah, first well, and yeah, foremost. Yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. You come back to a point where I've got to look after myself. But it's, it can be quite hard to do that because like, we've pushed ourselves out there. And then it's like you have to, you, you have to be respectful um, of other people if they then want to talk to you about it because it's like well we've done it you know yes we should be respectful but then there's so respect you know sometimes you're like fucking hell I can't do it yeah that's fine I'm, I'm, I'm honestly like, like, it sounds like you're beating yourself up for that yeah no I've beaten myself up for that yeah you I shouldn't you yeah. just like turn your phone off put it in your pocket and then read it another time yeah, yeah no no you're totally right I agree with you and uh, most of the time that's exactly what I do but sometimes it's like but you can literally just say to him like look I'm not in the best place myself at the moment so I can't help you yeah, as yeah. it currently is. It's what I've found. I'll just tell you to fucking kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> kill everyone. Get, get on a train. Listen to some Marilyn Manson. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the worst. If, I get, if I'm in a mess, I get on a train and I'm like, I want to fucking kill everyone. Jerry Goopoo still. Yeah, I've had a lot of thoughts like that lately, especially that like time. at work. I just think, right, I could really easily just sort of tear everyone apart now. Like what would happen if I just went, right, everyone strap yourselves in, this is happening, and like just go completely nuts on everyone. I'm always like, get the sword out, get the samurai sword, <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to fucking slice every cunt up. Mm. You're all trapped in here, and everyone's going down. <laughs> yeah. Chainsaw, just... <laughs> and, uh, Wearing their faces Maybe shit. that's because I watched far too many horror movies when I was younger. Maybe. You know, horror movies will fuck you up. 
Oh, I, I watch too many horror movies. I still watch a lot of horror movies. I don't watch many, I to be them. honest. They scared me I, enough I, no, when I was I a kid to stay away from them. them. So, they are more formulaic than a lot of other mediums. But then once in a while, you'll find one that's not. Mm. And it's it will be one of the movie. best films you ever saw. Have I respect seen... the art of it all. Yeah, Mother. Mother was meant to be a horror movie. And it ends up being a fucking big clusterfuck of madness about the media. I really, I, if you haven't seen it, I can't recommend it. That's enough. not the one on Netflix at the it's moment. Is it the new one? No, I watched that the other night. It's sick. That's yeah. such a good film. Our mother starts off as this really creepy film, and it's all kind of creepy and a bit gothic, and then it just goes fucking Billy Bollocks. Like Kubrickian almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Kubrick fan. Like, it's not many touching. It's, it's not that clever. Kubrick's fucking. Oh, one of my favorite directors, John Carpenter, man. Yeah, uh, I don't really like John Carpenter's everything I don't like about horror films, I think. Like, slash, uh, I prefer the more intense horror films. Like, I think um, the best horror film ever made is The Shining. Um, second is The Omen, because they're dark as fuck and they tap into something about us. Mm. Whereas a slasher movie doesn't in the same I suppose way. you sort of leave them where they are because I've, I've worked where they filmed The Shining and there's no sort of element oh, of it it's at Elstree in London and there's, Elstree. Yeah, there's no sort of element of it there but you can still I still know where the lot is and even standing there and thinking about it is it resonates with you like Exorcist there is a weird people thing. go back Exorcist to this Exorcist is scary again because yeah. it taps into that that's the first one you ever saw you know, like, we've all, there's it, a bit in us, you know, no matter who you are, that is scared of God and scared of the devil. Because mm. even if you weren't brought up that way, everything in. It revolves around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Star Wars is a good example of good and bad, devil and God, and that kind of thing. And, like, you can't help be swept into it. So, stuff like The Exorcist is particularly scary. The Omen's particularly scary for that. And then The Shining. He's almost holding up a mirror against us, going, like, look what, look how easily you can fucking go mad and kill someone. And I'm like, I could fucking do that. Mm. I could fucking do that. Just put me indoors on my own for two days and I'll be there. <laughs> and I, you know, like, that's fucking in me. And I'm like, you know, so I see something like that, it scares the shit out of me. Mm. And I think the best horror films do that. They touch on real So, like, the gore. Emotions. The gore and all of that isn't that scary. Mm. So I always liked practical effects because it's like art. Yeah. It's really like... No, that's that's why I hop back to... Like practical effects for me were always just fucking just make a movie. There was a recent film called The Void and that harked back to... I've seen The Void. What's, what's in The Void? Uh, they're in a hospital and then there's like a cult with yeah. like a triangle and shit. Yeah. I fucking loved it. It was like oh. I was just like that's one of the yeah, best no, that films was I've seen. Good. That was pretty good. Hardly any CGI in the whole uh, film. It's just all practical effects. The other one, of the, like if you like that, you've got to see what's uh, so the two that I really fucking loved was Mother, and I can't recommend it strongly enough because at the end of it, you feel something, and a good film makes you feel something. Yeah, yeah. There's that Hereditary is the other one. I've not seen that. Hereditary is spooky as fuck, and at the end, it's like. A cult, a cult, a cult, and you're like, fuck, and your blood run cold. Have you it's seen... fucking brilliant? I will check that out. Have you seen Babadook? Yep. What did you think of that? It's a bad book. Babadook. Yeah, I thought it was a bad book, but yeah, um, uh, that just 
I find that a bit predictable. You know what it's about, right? No. So the Babadook is the mum's mental health problem. Yeah. And she thinks she can defeat it, but she can't. So she has to learn to live with it. Like that's what the whole film's about. What is it a physical thing in the film? Yeah, yeah, it's like this. It kind of, <laughs> it kind of looks like the jazz demon from Mighty Boosh. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the red, like glowing eyes. Yeah, 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 it's got like a top hat, like a jazz hat, I suppose. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it just doesn't have the polos on it. <laughs> oh, um, again. And yeah, he's like got long black fingers. He just comes out as like a silhouette sort of thing. Wow, like the Slender Man. Not seen Slender Man. Oh, that's really shit. <laughs> but I, what I like about horror films is just normally because they're they're that bit more extreme than other films, and I like extreme. Mm. Like extremes, I like to watch something and it be extreme, and I come away with a fucking sense of something. I don't fucking, I don't mind Otherwise what you'd it watch is. EastEnders, wouldn't you? There's no. <laughs> no extremes there. Just like, oh. I like well, it. No, exactly, exactly. There's not. So a horror film is fucking, ah, extreme shit. And I, I kind of quite liked, like the early ones, like Insidious in there, because it was like, what the fuck's going on? And, uh, uh, oh, what was the one? Uh, Lomini's All Handicaps. I can't remember now. Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Blair Witch. And like that is just all about you're you're scared of what's just what your brain's telling you, and like, I really love that. So you like afterwards you're like oh that was fucking shit or you're like fucking hell, like that I just went on a journey. Fucking thank God for that in my boring everyday life, I've just gone on a journey for two hours, and I, I that that's the best film. I like it when they got they the. Well, because the medium is so, like you say, it's kind of like set in stone a lot of it and you have to have a certain amount of everything else. But when yeah. something is so different, like Blair Witch was so different. Yeah. But like, even, I can't explain, like, is it 28 Days Later, the zombie film? The beginning bit of that, I, I saw the trailer. About Danny Boyle the other day. But it's, there's not, there isn't um, thousands of zombies just walking along in a line. Like, it's, something it's happens in a house, you hear glass break and then a car crashes and then you see something else in the corner. If that actually happened, a thousand zombies wouldn't turn up outside. One would try and break in up the road, or you'd hear something. Like the space that was given in the film, that was almost scary, because all my hairs are going up now, because you're like, hang on, this is not right. There should be yeah. like music, or like, there should that's be loads of, like, loads of stuff. That's, that's why yeah, it's it. Yeah, it simplifies that's it. And that makes it, that makes it scarier. It's actually going on. The no. scary thing is what's going on in the The, the, the scary so good. thing in 28 Days Later is when they get to the army base. Yeah. And, no spoilers, obviously. And the soldiers are the things they should have been fearing the entire time. Yeah. Because the, the fate for them is worse. It's that than, switch. And oh, like that, and but the yeah, thing is, it's you're mentally like thinking, oh, we're safe now because we're this. You got the safety of like the army and everything else, and so even in your mind as you watch it, yeah. And then, and then it goes, fuck you. Actually, uh, the, the, the fucking wolf in the corner of the room was humans. Yeah, oh, and the like human that wolf in the corner. Of the room. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's what it actually is. And I, uh, I've learned, like, really, that most you know oh, problems are always your own that you create. Mm. So the wolf in the corner of the room actually is you. Yeah. More often than not, it's you creating things to be scared of, you creating uh, problems and difficulties and fear. I kind that, of weigh on that in the Grim Reaper story a little bit. Do you? Mm, mm. It's true though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like that's, everything, Any like most of your problems are just like you, the way you look at it. And I, I've, I've, 
I don't know what it was, but there was like last summer, my fucking that was my big meltdown, and then five months off of work and just doing nothing, it was like no one else can do anything. Actually, no one else can sort this out for me. It was just that realization. It was like only I can do it, and the answer is in me. And that was like seeing my uh, therapist Peter just going, yeah, it's it's just the way you look at it, mate. <laughs> I love the fact that you break it down so simply now. When so, when back then it was probably like this huge thing. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Your whole world. Yeah. No, but then when yeah. when I when I figured it out, it was like fucking hell. That's what it is. Nobody had ever told you that before. No, though, no, right? no. Exactly. No one had ever said it. And like that's the thing. Like we've been doing this, and I remember saying to people, like, yeah, you don't have to listen to your brain. Like your brain's not in charge. Oh, when when I got my. No one ever said that. I was nineteen when I got diagnosed with BPD, and this. I, at that point, immediately thought, fuck, I'm crazy. That's it. There's no more hope for me. So that was when I spiraled the fuck down. Like, yeah. I just kept going, kept going. Yeah, I do understand And that. it's been on the wall seeing the dude just, and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not fucking crazy. Like, so I'm just emotional. Like, that's generally what I see BPD as, just being emotional. And in this society, you can't be that emotional. But I'll cry all the goddamn time. No, it's true. Yeah, you can't. It's really weird because... I remember, like, I got diagnosed last year with it. What, BPD? Yeah. BPD, buddy. And they explained to me why. Why they... So, I got the diagnosis of uh, dephemia, which is um, constant depression. Um, and then they call it double... Like, so they call it double depression. So, you have depression. So, you're always depressed. Uh, and then, um, when other people would be sad... I have depression twice. So I, wow. Uh, but then they say, so you have that. And then so you're depressed, then you're kind of depressed about the fact that you're always depressed. Yeah, then if I get, dep- then if a normal thing that would happen to other people would make them sad, I would then have double depression, as in I can't get out of bed. Um, so just, Is there the flip side to that? Like where something might make someone feel slightly happy, you're like a fucking pig and shit. No, 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 no. Okay, no. okay. That's no, what that's I'm, what I I'm felt still with depressed. Okay. So I'm always just depressed. Yeah. Um and then sometimes I'm really fucking depressed. <laughs> like like gonna fucking wanna die, wanna kill people depressed. Mm. Um and then they said and because you've had it for so long, since I was a boy, they said, uh, you've got borderline personality disorder because of that, because what's happened, you've grown up and all you, everything you think and everything you look at and everything you feel is depressed. So in that point in other people's lives, they would have started making sense of the world and they would have seen positives. And, mm. you know, negatives and positives. But they would have been reasonably balanced as in they'd be able to make sense of them. But because you're such a depressed cunt, <laughs> uh, you see everything through depressive eyes. And I was like, fucking yeah. And it's true. I was like, that's totally true. Like, there's nothing, I've never heard a true word. Like, you've just defined me in two diagnoses. And then I was like, oh, fuck. How the fuck? And they went, oh, we're going to refer you to this um, for um, psychotherapy. And the psychotherapist went, everything you do now is making it worse. <laughs> so you've got to stop doing everything you're doing now. Have you got people around you who support you? Because it's going to be a fucking nightmare. And I was like, I don't 
think I can tell anyone how much I want to die all the time because it will scare my wife, it will scare my mum. They're the people I talk to. Yeah. So I can't tell them because they're going to think, oh, fuck, he's every, every other... My wife's like it's like every other word, she's, you know, she's, always, she's often frightened to say things to me because she thinks it will make me want to kill myself. I'm like, it's probably true. Probably true. Yeah, like, you're yeah. probably right. And the only way um, that I manage it is on a mixture of medication and fucking therapy and talking about it. Yeah. Actually, just fucking saying it. So now, like, I just say it like that. Was there fucking like shame it. attached to it before? Yeah. Like, so you'd think it, and then you'd be like, "Oh, this is a shameful thing to feel." Yeah, I still suppose to just less. So human. what happens is, uh, when I'm feeling strong, I don't feel shame. Uh, when I'm not feeling strong, I feel shame because uh, I can see the impact it has. Because I've got a wife and kids who I live with, so I can see the impact of my. Mental health on them every day. There's a um, TED talk by Brené Brown that deals with shame and vulnerability. Mm. It's actually really good. My therapist suggested it to me five years ago, I think it was, maybe four years ago. I went home and I watched it and I was just like, whoa, whoa. And it just changed how I saw shame. It changed my relationship with shame as well, Can which is something she says. What? Tell us what it says. Oh, right. It's been a while since I've watched it. I'm going to run out of time. Um, I'm not saying for fam. Yeah. Shame is basically... Oh, my God. It's put on the spot now, isn't it? It's it's Because sometimes you think about something so intensely at the beginning that it changes you so you don't think about it later on. trying to think of it now. So your interpretation of it. Yeah would, yeah, would adjust and change depending on the feelings you've had around it. Yeah, like who I who I am now is not. When I look back at my twenty-one-year-old self, I do not recognise myself. No, I yeah, can't I use the fact that. I tried to kill myself, failed luckily, as a metaphor for killing off my old self. Mm. So it's like that's a reset. Now, what can I become in the wake of that? Yeah, but it took four or more attempts. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, very true. That, that, um, yeah, I can totally. That resonates with me. Um, I feel like the mess I got myself into last year was a point when I went, I know I'm not going to feel shame for it anymore. I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to be really like, here, I'm going to be fucking honest about it. And I don't fucking care what anyone says. Because I, I know I've got. Then that means you you don't have the shame of it, right? Yeah, no, that's true. But I do feel the shame sometimes because it's like you know, like oh, I'm not engaging with my kids as much as I feel like I should, or I'm being like my dad. But so you so you might feel the so shame of not engaging shame. with your kids as much, right? Yeah. But you might be engaging with your kids more so than anybody else because of that. Yeah, sh- yeah, yeah. Sense of shame. Mm, so yeah. it's like no, no, it's true. It's using it as a positive yeah thing. Yeah. It's more of like a reflection, reflecting on. Not necessarily in a shameful way, but like reflecting on those things and then just turning it around yeah. and using it in a in a different direction. Not even using it, but just acknowledging it. Because we were talking about scripts yeah, before, weren't we? The answer, Brad, yeah. I think. I think you, you say a very salient point. Acknowledge it. And when you acknowledge it, you take the power out of it and then you can decide what to do with it. Yeah. And you can use it as, like we said about scripts. And you could say, right, I used to feel this sort of way. Scripts. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You've kind of got your own that's, little... I was just saying the Darren Brown book there. Yeah. Like the scripts we tell ourselves are normally wrong. Yeah. But, and you say it, and normally you're actually just being self-serving or you're, or you're being self-destructive. Mm. Like one of the things I've realised with um, 
with the way I was thinking. I constantly think what I make sucks. But because I constantly think what I make sucks, it then leads me to improve on what I'm making. That's a really good way of looking at it. it, But it constantly happens. So I'll do a painting and I'm like, that's amazing. Then I'll look back at it a week later and I'm like, fuck, that sucks. And then I'll do another painting and it just it just spirals and yeah, it's spirals. it's the same with music, but it keeps that creative drive going. It's like maybe imagine it's... you wrote a piece of shit or made a piece of shit and then you're like, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You need that, that critical touch. Self-reflection. Like, no, shit, it don't actually matter. Yeah. Mm. Like, I've got much more comfortable being creative over the last year because if I go, actually, your artwork taught me a lot about that. Like my, when I used to draw and stuff, I would be so worried about staying in the lines, straight edges, geometric shapes and stuff like that. And when I first saw your artwork, and I'll include you in this as well, Brad, because I like like the loose lines and the curves and everything that you use, but like it's, you know, Nick's eyes. It like really like it bothered me. Like it's not straight and it's scribbled and I can see you've missed bits out and like it really got to me and I was like, why can't I be that free to be able to go right? This I've drawn this. This has come out of my head and I'm putting this online. I was like, fucking hell, it's beautiful. Like that, the power of that to be able to just do that. Like it's really, it's an it's an amazing thing. It is strange though because I did kind of go for a, a period of going, oh, fuck it. Like I'm gonna do that deliberately. Yeah. I don't, I don't fucking care because actually. Who's this for? It's not for anyone. Yeah. Else. It's just for me. I found tattooing really, really loose in my art because you know, like tattoos, there'll be like perspective, like in traditional tattoo, perspective. Like, it's, ah, what yeah. does that fucking matter? Yeah. It don't matter. Yeah. But like solid lines, and then I was like, well, what happens if I just fucking fuck? Like, I just go over it, and then I just make it into a pattern. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Yeah, it don't fucking matter. No. I'm only doing it for me. And if I if I'm just just like doing a pattern for an hour or two, it's so fucking what? Yeah. So Adam Watts says it is doing art, whether it's music, whether it's writing, whether it's culinary arts, whether it's drawing, whether it's painting, it's about the doing of it that counts. Yeah. Because you if you use dancing, you don't dance for an outcome. You just dance because you're That's an amazing about way of looking at it. It's, it's about the creativity, yeah. Johnny Marr say all the time Picasso, he quoted Picasso and saying there is such thing as genius but the, uh, the genius has to find you doing it I see that one yes mm. yeah. oh, the first time I ever seen it but yeah no it's poignant so if you're not Proper doing poignant. it then nothing's going to happen and that, that kind of got into my head so I'm like I just draw all the time and like sometimes I'm like, I'll do an A3 pattern I'm like I don't like anything in there and that fucking really churns me up I'm like what the fuck is that that's it mate like, where's it going to go it's just going to go Fucking bag somewhere. My wife's gonna put it in the bag, and it's just gonna. Well, some people probably want to buy it, man. Yeah, but you know what? Like that just gives weight to it. I don't want weight. <laughs> I just want to just go. What the fuck? Anyway, that's an hour. Yeah. That's an hour. That's gone so quick, crazy, crazy quick. And that is it. We didn't again. We didn't even get into much of the mental. No, I feel like we just. <laughs> I feel like started out with gory penis. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like we got we got. What I do like is that I do think we got in some really good like like we said some really interesting things. Yeah. That I think people could get something from, uh, and that we didn't really need to get into our stories. And I kind of think that's more important. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I our like stories. The... Are, our stories are our stories, you know. And if you say them, sometimes you give them too much weight. Yeah, 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 yeah. So really, it's the conversation is the important thing. Definitely. Well, thank you, TV Land, Podcast Land. Thank you, TV Land, you motherfuckers. Mouth for manliness. Long way round. And thanks, Brad, for coming on. So Thank you to Brad Humble. So cool. Yeah, feel really like enjoyed we've, it. It's been really good fun. New we've friend. Got to remember to get a photo. Oh yeah, because we forgot to get photos yeah. before, and I've had to up my Photoshop skills. But uh, we're not <laughs> going to do that this time. We're going to take proper. In. Yeah, yeah, you know. Wait till I show you. It's terrible. But well, that's um, it. That's it. Thank Sweet. you for everyone for listening. Much love. Thanks, yeah. Brad. See ya. Take care. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.